Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 522 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Will this show still be allowed to be listened to in California? Because aren't they banning all non-electric cars by, like, 2025? Right. But I think super uh, sports cars don't count. They're special. They're, they're grandfathered in somehow. Oh, so if you have money, you can just get away with anything you want? I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that. That's the rumor and innuendo around the fireside chats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where the spectral locomotive would rocket <laughs> past. I love when you say that. One of my favorite non-sequitur, like, weird things that was just said in Ghostbusters. Right, right. Great scene, though. Boy, Ghostbusters is a good movie. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, hey, uh, Todd, what do we got to talk about on the show? You know, our comic book podcast. Well, Joe, we don't have any comic book news, but we do have a ton of TV news. Like what's getting a spinoff, what's starting shooting soon, what might be a TV show and all other kind of like stuff like that. Also, we have free digital books and sales. What we read from last week, which was Suicide Squad 9, Immortal She-Hulk number 1, and I touch on the over 100-issue run of Joshua Williams' Flash. Um, Also, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, some surprising moves in the pigskin pickums, let me say. And finally, at the end, uh, spoiler-filled talk of the boys but before we get into news let me warm up my vocal cords for the intro that i've been preparing for all this tv talk um from the long box to the idiot box idiot box heroes (laughs) that's the intro joe i'm not making a new rss feed just so you know i know i just figured for this special episode you would like a cool just poundy pound you there intro and i came up with it so all right, so um, I guess we go in order of like re- announcement, release, and so on and so forth. I say let's go in the order of which these things were disseminated to the world, right? Sure, why not? Uh, so one of the things that were hinted at, uh, mentioned, or otherwise during the DC Fandom Part 2 um, is that prior to the Suicide Squad 2 movie coming out, Mm-hmm. There is going to be an HBO Max eight-episode original series featuring a character to be introduced in the new Suicide Squad film, Peacemaker. Right. Now, I'm very unfamiliar with Peacemaker in uh, comic books. I don't think I've read much with him in there, and if I have, and it really hasn't left a huge impression on me. Uh, but obviously, I'm I'm assuming that this is going to be closely done in conjunction with the uh, James Gunn, a.k.a. Jimmy Pistol, uh, movie that's coming out sometime in 2021, as every movie is just now coming out on some nebulous date. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised to, like, wake up tomorrow and, like, Wonder Woman is just out, you know? Right, right. We know Black Widow got pushed to next year, and I expect Wonder Woman to follow suit, but I couldn't tell you when or where, you know what I mean? Right. So I'm, I'm on that train, too. Now, obviously, no official release date announced for this, uh, but the reason that we mention this on the show is 
because the person who is playing Peacemaker in the film will also be playing Peacemaker in the TV show, and that is none other than world-renowned rapper and star of many other movies, <laughs> including Blockers and the Marine, and nothing else as far as I could recall, Right, John Cena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I love his work. Um, I hope he somehow manages to move, you know, get his you smell bad move in here somewhere. But Joe, the most important part of this that like we're, you're kind of not realizing because you haven't read a lot of Peacemaker comics is right. that this may be the thing that gets Inferior 5 finished because the co-feature was a Peacemaker story. See, I was so long ago, I don't I don't even recall that. Right, you have to get the Peacemaker story out. You need Peacemaker material on the shelves. So Inferior 5, those that 12 issues that became a 6 issue, that became a 4 issue, is going to finish those six, those 2 issues to make it 6. There's math in there, I don't understand it. But um, I'm hoping that that does happen. And I do kind of like the Peacemaker uh, character, because he's, you know, the whole idea of a guy who makes war to make peace is fantastic. That was their whole thing. And his thing is he's crazy, and the voices of, like, war, the people he killed, I'm not really sure it changes over time, are in the helmet and talk to him. And that's really not real, but I'm really hoping, like, John Cena uh, does that. And then you're going to have to get your uh, John Cena Peacemaker hat. To you know, round out your wardrobe, Joe. Well, listen, it, it all comes back like I should have seen this happening because I have that Guardians of the Galaxy hat that people would say was a John Cena hat. Mm-hmm. Now the director of Guardians of the Galaxy is making a comic book TV show with John Cena. I was like ten years ahead of the curve on this one. That's right. You were a futurist all the way back then, Joe. And one could only hope that when they do finish that Inferior Five series mm-hmm. and they put it out in trade. They retitle as Peacemaker featuring Inferior 5. <laughs> and they do a John Cena photo cover. And John <laughs> Cena writes the forward to it and says how this these five issue backup features were the Bible that they used when making the TV show. I would love that. The only thing that I would like better is if they had smiling salty Keith, salty Keith on the cover with them. Like he's like attacking Keith. And then I'll take all of that. Uh, uh, so that's that's exciting. Also exciting, another show that we have been talking about here on the show. Uh, the Boys is getting a spinoff side series, something or other. Mm-hmm. I think we're very far away from whatever Garth Ennis and Derek Roberts were doing in the comic book. Because I don't think they did a superhero college side story uh, run by Vought International, which is what the spinoff series is going to be. Uh, again, no time frame on that. It's just something that Amazon ordered. One can only hope that this was, one, based off the success of The Boys, and two, as we had discussed last week, that the uh, the producer person behind the TV show, Eric Kripke, had said that if they go forward quickly with season three, they may not have Carl Urban because of travel bans and stuff like that. One could only hope that this is something to fill that boy's void mm-hmm. while they, you know, while everyone waits for the world to open back up. Right. And uh, now I'm not 100% sure because I'm wondering if they'll do the like storyline that we haven't really seen in the comic where they infiltrated the, uh, 
the Teen Kicks was the name of the like they were the Teen Titans characters. Yeah, and, or what's his face, the the chameleon guy or whatever he was. Right. I'm wondering if maybe that'll have like they'll they'll borrow some of that material and then make it into the college show if that makes any sense. Yeah, because we haven't seen it, or maybe that's coming up on the show. I don't know, but I have a feeling like they'll 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 use some of the boys' stuff. But who knows? Maybe they'll get Garth and Derek to to make some more stuff for the for the show. And I'm sh- right because I think um, Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson were more or less done with the story of the boys, and then right in conjunction with the new series coming out, they did the new mini series, Dear Becky. Right. You know, who who know I and again I'll be honest with you, I, I not reading the comics, so I don't know what the miniseries is about, but one could only imagine it's like, hey, this TV thing that you did is really successful. If you do a new thing based on the TV thing, whether it's based on the TV thing or not, more people will probably buy it because of the TV thing. Right. And I'm with you. I I checked out on the boys uh, comic back in the day, halfway through, so I don't know. I couldn't even know what this is about. And like I said, it also makes it more fun for me because I don't get tripped up by like spoilery stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know where they're going on half of this stuff anymore. So right. I'm good. So I, I I'm kind of just like, yeah. And I won't look, I won't look to find out what the dear Becky stuff is because I don't know how the original series ended. I, I don't know. So we'll see. Also announced. We had talked last week uh, that, Disney Plus, in conjunction with the uh, Emmys, put out the trailer for WandaVision, uh, officially said that the Falcon Winter Soldier show is sometime in 2021. They're still working on the low-key TV show. They cast people to star in the She-Hulk TV show, because that is Disney Plus as well, right? Or is the She-Hulk show somewhere else? No, She-Hulk's Disney Plus. Okay, I assumed everything was Disney Plus, but, like, it wasn't on the list of upcoming things, you know? Right, well, that's just so far in the future. Like, we have have the actress to play, whether she's going to play Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk, whatever, but that's the first piece, you know? Yeah. And they just announced over the weekend that they're developing a Nick Fury Disney Plus show with Sam Jackson on board, of course. Um, And it's going to be written and executive produced by the guy who does the TV show, Mr. Robot. Again, I don't watch, but I know people do and like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speculation that it's going to fill in some of the gaps that we saw when... There may or may not have been two Nick Furies running around, a real one and a fake one, life model decoys, scrolls, that sort of thing, or who knows what it's going to be. But I guess getting Sam Jackson in on a TV deal as part of the whole Disney family is a good thing. Right. I wonder if they paid him well. But uh, I look at it as like the show that I want. I don't know what it's going to be. We have no information right now. But I literally want like a tales of the crypt marvel style but not horror just like he's basically the crypt keeper he opens and closes every episode and this is where we start farming out all the new characters like oh we we need you know we need night thrasher here's nick fury like doing shield like bringing back shield and being oh well there's somebody you know with his rocket skateboard it's night thrasher and this is his this is the file on him and it turns out to be the story that's the show that i kind of want to see Um, now, also, you had mentioned a little bit more closer up on the timetable is a behind-the-scenes Marvel documentary series. I know we talked a couple weeks ago here that 
on Disney Plus, they had a show of like, oh, here's a bunch of like prop stuff from a bunch of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're doing something similar with the Marvel uh, 616 movies or whatever. Yes, that's what it looks like. That it's going to be like an eight or a 10 issue, issue episode run. And they're going to discuss like maybe bring more women creators into it. And I saw another one, you know, about like uh, the Japanese Spider-Man and, and like the stories they tell over there. I'm not 100% sure because I did watch the trailer, but uh, it does look interesting. And then, you know, if it gives me information, you know, uh, about behind the scenes, I'll watch it. So that'll be interesting. I'm just glad to see both uh, Marvel and DC on their respective streaming services. DC's now being HBO Max, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, putting extra content out there on there in there. Right. I'm just, I, but I'm. we're so old school, Joe, I get nervous. That's going to be too much to keep up with. You remember when we used to just watch comics or read comics and then occasionally watch a movie or a TV show? Yes. Now it's like we have to do everything in between and read the books. And then, hey, there's like these little things over here. I don't know. I'm too old for this stuff, but hopefully I'll be able to keep up. Well, one last thing, I guess, not on HBO Max, not on <laughs> Disney Plus, but who knows? Maybe it'll end up being on Disney Plus. Um, the rumor and innuendo around the water cooler is, according, and I say rumor and innuendo, from Neil Gaiman's Twitter itself. <laughs> um, he tweeted out a portion of a script claiming that lockdowns permitting, they start shooting the Sandman Netflix TV show in three weeks. Ooh, that's some big news for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I hope, you know, everything works out and they can shoot all that stuff. But I'm nervous, Joe. This is my preacher that uh, for you, the way it was. I, you know, I want to see what they do and what they mess up. But uh, I'm looking forward. I got Netflix. I'll watch Sandman. No problem there. So, preacher, Sandman, that for you, this for me, okay? There's a very good chance that they can completely muck this up, right? Right. But I think that Sandman itself was so ubiquitous. And there hasn't been, you know, from the main series, right? We've gotten a couple miniseries and a couple appearances and stuff. Unless the Netflix show is the year where Action Comics was Lex Luthor <laughs> and Death shows up, right? Right, yes. Then we got a whole other thing to talk about. (laughs) You never know, but go ahead. So, if they just start things off with the brush strokes, like, I can't see them doing the Dr. D and the diner stuff. I could see them doing the Dr. D and the diner stuff, but not being the supervillain Dr. D. Just the psycho who found one of... So then we get into like trips to hell and all this other stuff. And that could be too special effects heavy unless they're making sets. So I think they really can play it as close. But even if they decide to play fast and loose within the lines, as long as they stay true to the vision, that's so that's the difference between Sandman and Preacher is that so much of Preacher, while it was a good story and it was, you know, about friendship at its core and there's religion stuff in there, you know, because it's Garth Ennis and everything kind of gets turned up to, like, this higher level for shock value, 
a lot of what Neil Gaiman did in Sandman wasn't done for shock value. It was done to tell a story. I Yeah, I get that. But you yeah. could still mess up the beats. You know what I mean? Like, anything could be messed up. And I get with Preacher, they weren't going to go, you know, with a lot of the stuff on basic cable kind of a thing. But also, the story of Preacher with the shock value. And, and not so much that, but the way the nature of the the world has changed since preacher came out. Like uh, you can't get away with some of the, the things that they do to certain characters and it's not funny anymore or the way people think it, that's just not cool anymore Um, with, with Sandman, like you're saying, I actually think it's like more ahead of its time because they had that whole transgender story in game of you. And like, from what I, I, I guess is like a lot of people say like that holds up because uh, he did it right, you know what I mean, all the way back then. So I see what you're saying. The only thing I worry about is the time jump to now and, like, some other things. But I don't know. We'll see. But this is going to be the one that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be watching very closely. And I'm almost worried that I that no matter what they do, I won't like it because, to me, this is the best of the best of the best that comics has ever produced. So how do you how do you make that translate to the little screen? I hope they can do it, but you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't know. I hope I haven't put the bar too high for myself. And it already sounds like I have. It, it definitely sounds like you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm excited, you know, um, mm-hmm. we've waited so long for this to be adapted and one could hope as a long form series with Netflix. Um, and then another thing is, you know, obviously I was definitely in the minority when it came to, what I felt of the quality of the preacher TV show. But for the most part, when they make these shows based off of properties like this, you know, mature titles, not, you know, superhero straight stuff. A lot of times it's, you know, either good or great. Very rarely. Is it really bad? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't think of the last really bad TV show. Based on a comic book. Hmm. I'd have to think about that. I don't know off the top of my head. Like, I don't mean like you thought it was bad and I liked it or vice versa, or like we were in the majority or we were in the minority. Like, yeah, certain things may not have been like smash hit sensations, but for the most part, like outcast was good. Cloak and dagger was good. Um, I didn't watch Legion, but I hear tons of people say it's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, so stump town like i watched a little bit of that and i thought yeah. that was really good like you know and and you're not pigeonholing yourself into just superhero stuff so right i'm saying based on comic books i'm right. leaning more to the mature you know reader side of things uh yeah i don't know because like the last one that i that i remember going off the rails and me not liking but it lasted many seasons was gotham so that's the one right that, but and, that was dealer's choice. You know, you like it, your tastes may differ. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Gotham, it was a thing where it wasn't like no one watched it and it was critically panned. It was like critics didn't care one way or the other and enough people watched it that it got like three or four seasons. Right. So, you know, I'm we're, we're definitely in the minority there. You know, no problems. Mm-hmm. So that's it on TV talk in the news. <laughs> that's right. You don't want to play your little jingle again? (laughs) No. You loved my jingle. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, show notes, links, stuff. Hey, do you need comics delivered to your house because you don't have a comic store in your area or you don't have a reliable comic store in your area? Lucky for you, we have a reliable comic book store in our area, and they're willing to ship anywhere in the world that, you know, the post office will take things to. Uh, We have a link in every week's pull post to the website, which is the list of all the books. And then we also have in every episode's post to their Facebook page where our shopkeep is most active, posting new specials and new things that come into the store. And he has information on there on how you can partake in some of those sales or even sign up to get a subscription pull list sent to you. Comes with our highest recommendation. Yes. Uh, You can also check out our friend Becky's Instagram, where she puts up a lot of the original art that she does, commissions and whatnots. Um, I'll have to ask her when I see her about how her secret project is coming along. Right. And I think she just put up a ghostwriter on the shop's uh, eBay uh, eBay page, too. For yeah, like I saw that. That was cover. real nice. Yes, it was. Like a like a, a black cover, which always pops on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, Chris Runt, who kickstarted issue one of his comic Battle Monsters. You can purchase it digitally through the link. In our show notes off of Comixology, check it out. It was a really good comic. Um, I'm sure you could reach out to him to see if there's any print copies available. I'm sure there should be. And uh, also, you could check out the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, uh, where you can find any and all of the shows in our network of like-minded individuals, conglomeration of folks, etc., whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds With Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Wednesday Night War, Puzzle Warrior 3, Profane Argument, or anytime any of these folks on those shows appear on other shows. And they let me know that they're on the other shows. It's easy for me. I know when I'm on the other shows. Mm-hmm. So I could put those up. In the month of October, I'm going to have not one, but two other appearances on wrestling-themed podcasts. And I'm very excited about that. I am, too. <laughs> Um, but anytime, like I said, any of those folks appear on any other shows, sure, you could have an RSS feed, sure, you could follow them on Twitter, whatever, or you could just go to long, uh, soon to be named network.com and everything is right there for you. There are not a ton of sales going on as we speak. The boys' sale on uh, from Dynamite Comics, I don't know why they do variant covers on stuff uh, that's digital, but whatever. I don't know. So you can get them signed, Joe. So you can get them e-signed. I guess. Uh, but there's some other sales going on. It's a, like a light week for sales this week. Uh, the Dark Horse Neil Gaiman sale is still going on. Uh, DC is having a sale on event books. Your crises, your zero hours, your everything in-betweens from there. Sadly, I think neither Dark Knight Returns nor Batman Year One is included in this. Make a wish, kids. (laughs) And Marvel is having a sale on Green Goblin-related things because it is that once every four to five-year cycle where the Green Goblin makes his return to Amazing Spider-Man and then disappears for four to five years. Right. Wasn't he the Red Goblin recently? That was the last time. Right, where he he just looked like a guy with a red hair and a red beard. He's like, you'll never know what my face looks like the next time. No, he was kind of like, he had like the Carnage symbiote, and it played oh, in that, uh, that uh, what was the Venom storyline from last summer, Absolute Carnage? No. Yep. 
I'm think yes, it was absolute carnage. I'm oh. thinking of the time before that. Remember, he showed up with just a, a nondescript face to fool Peter. Yes, yes. So I'm t- I'm two goblins ago. That's yeah. where my watch is set to. You know, I know. Oh, it might have been last week or the week before where we had talked about you forcing me to read those uh, sins past and one more day nonsense from yes. Straczynski over on Amazing Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was inspired by friends of the show, uh, Paul O'Brien, Al Kennedy, talking about doing the Age of Apocalypse one. Right, right. You know, Maximum Carnage is one that I don't think you ever read. I never, no, I never read Maximum Maximum Carnage, and I never really read any of the the any of that stuff that the Straczynski Spider Man. I read a little bit of in the beginning, but like by the time we get to the to the one more day and the the this fast growing kids, I was off that book. One of these days when I'm all caught up on the backlog, maybe we'll start <laughs> diving into stuff like that. Right. I had an idea in my head for that, and then I didn't write it down and lost it. So <sighs> hopefully, Todd, it'll, come on. It, it'll come back to me. And I have Google Notes on my phone and everything, Joe. They're not a sponsor of the show, by the way. So. All right. So the links to all those, of course, as always, are in the show notes. Um, no new freebies. The freebie list is dwindling. Be sure to get them while the getting's good, ladies and gentlemen. So now let's get into what we read from this past week. My man, where would you like to begin? Uh, let's start with the book that we were both looking forward to, which would be Suicide Squad number nine. Yes. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Uh, this is the beginning of the end of our heroes question marks. Um, obviously there's a lot of, uh, discussion and talk both here and in the book regarding Ted Cord and what's going on. Uh, Deadshot shows up to get the drop on said Ted Cord, but Superman has beaten him to the literal punch. Mm-hmm. Has. Right. Um, and, and the, uh, bit is them trying, most of the book is them trying to get to the Ted Cord. Uh, tower that he's in and the interesting ways they have to use their powers and get around the security to get to the tower. Um, once again, you know, I'm loving this book, uh, issue nine. We only have two more to go. Uh, the art is beautiful. Redondo's art is as, as good as anything. And we get to see, you know, more with uh dead shots kid. Uh, like you said, I, I love this book. I'm just, I'm still curious on, what's going on with Ted Cord, And I hope in the last two issues before the, uh, this runs out that we get those answers and it doesn't have to like roll into the uh, revolutionaries comic that's rumored to be around when this stops. Right. And it, well, it hasn't been solicited yet. Um, one would have assumed that it would have been solicited by December, which those December solicitations are out, but uh, who knows? I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it gets more. I did really like, the detective work that Deadshot did when talking to Superman. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, like the, the, the bits and pieces with Superman that I was like, Hmm, interesting. Like the way you're speaking and stuff like that. So we'll see how it all turns out. Right. But I really like this go- book. I really like these characters. Um, I'll be sad to see them go. I hope DC does a good job of promoting this book. Uh, whatever comes after this book, once we get to that point. 
Mm-hmm. And um, hmm, how could I say this? The person who shows up in the room with Superman and uh, uh, Deadshot adds a lot of credence to what's going on here and further, I think, adds to the speculation that at the very least, this may not be the Ted Cord that we know and love, or the very least, it's a Ted Cord who's being forced or controlled or something like against his will to do what he's doing. Right. He's he's being manipulated or it's a phony one or, or yep. whatever. But I was actually fooled on who it was in the room. I thought it was a completely different character until they said their name. Yep. So we'll see. It'll, and that's the, I, and one would, one could assume that that might be a red herring, but who knows? I'm really liking the book. I like the twists and turns and the character stuff. It's a very good book and it's a beautiful book as well. I know I'd mentioned a while ago, but uh, Bruno Redondo does an unbelievable job with the art on this book. Which I wish he drew it uh, on paper, not digital, or I would buy a ton of pages from this book. Makes no commissions sad. from this guy? You don't do nothing like that? Not yet. Um, I've been to his uh, page. The thing that he does that I don't like, because and it seems to be that whoever, his rep, and I forget the name of the rep, has a couple of people. He does that My, Mikel Jeline, who did like the War of jokes and riddles on batman oh yeah yeah yeah. what they'll do is they'll do their their pages digitally and then they'll print out one of one exclusive uh lithographs and try to whack you for those and i'm like no if it's not you know drawn on the page but if he ever does come up with a commission list which he hasn't done because he's been very busy um i might I'll, i'll pop on that and get something So you let me know how that goes. You're you you've been buying a lot of art lately. Oh my god, I, I was gonna do it in the art attack section, but I crunched the numbers, Joe. <sighs> I'm not well. I'm not well. Well, if it makes things any worse, um, you know, your your cut of the Amazon money when it comes in here in a few days is the uh, highest it's it's the highest it's been in a while. So, you know. And I, I'm, I I'm sure that I'm sure that'll help you make any decisions that are weighing heavy on your mind. True, true. And I just want to say, if we were doing, remember last year when we did Who Spent More on Comics? Yeah. If this year we were doing Who Spent More on Original Art and Commissions, <laughs> I think I might be far and away beating you. I'm just well, going to so say, I don't, so, I don't have your numbers. Right. So just say, I got no problem you. talking. Listen, I'm not hiding any of my returns or my expenditures <laughs> like some people are on the show. <laughs> right. Uh, I have no problem telling you, Todd. That I have spent exactly zero dollars on original art commissions or uh, pages of art in the calendar year 2020. But it's not over yet. The calendar year's not over yet. Something could uh, burn a hole in my pocket and I could decide I need something. Right. And you could surge past me in that department. Okay. So one of the other books that we read from this past week was Immortal She-Hulk number one. Kind of in between Empire stuff. Kind of in between Immortal Hulk stuff. It is written by Al Ewing, who also did Empire, but is more importantly doing Immortal Hulk. Art by John Davis Hunt. Uh, Art looks very nice, obviously. I think this comes across as a very good primer for all things involved, whether it be you're new to She-Hulk, you didn't read Empire, but you bought this because it has Immortal in the title and it's written by Al Ewing. Mm -hmm. So this is just a lot of... Jen Walters' origin, how she became the Hulk, instances in which um, 
she remembers of the Hulk and a lot of her dying and coming yep. back and specifically coming back through the much talked about in Immortal Hulk green door. Yep. And she's pretty much at a point in her life where maybe she can't come back anymore if she dies again. Yes. So maybe she can't, even though she has a Hulk, is nigh invulnerable and everything else like that. She's already died. And that's and at the end of the thing, it's like, pick up Civil War II where she died this time. When the Empire Trade comes out, here's the time where she died another time. And then she had died one other time before. Now, right. obviously, she has no way to know. Like, obviously, everyone comes back in comics for the most part. No one ever stays dead forever. But... While she was in the place beneath hell, the person there, maybe Hulk's father, maybe someone pretended to be the Hulk's father, knowing that that's a trigger for all Hulk-related people, uh, essentially says, it's like, yeah, you've come through this door a bunch of times, whether or not it opens or closes or is open for you next time, we don't know. And uh, I, I thought this was a really good uh analyzation of what all that's about with this ancillary character kind of giving you a little bit more to what's going on in the main immortal hulk book with all this stuff and i would agree with everything you said i think this hits all the beats to to tell you what the feel of the immortal hulk book is how now we found out at 30 some issues in of the immortal hulk that we find out that it's about the immortal part, what it is, and the green door, and who's controlling whether it opens or closes. So using her story to do that works very well, especially since she's died a couple of times over the years. And then the the punch with this is, like you said, that the person controlling the door is like, you know what, all you hulks and gamma people, you might want to be, you might want to calm down a little bit because maybe this door ain't gonna open for you no more. And in the end. It, Jennifer Walters' brain trying to comprehend coming back and dying so much. She's like talking to Wolverine about it, and she's like, "Okay, that was that was traumatizing, but being told don't let it happen again because maybe you won't come back again." And it, what it leaves Jennifer that way, like this, just had all the feels of the Immortal Hulk and hit all the beats you needed for the story. And I think it's actually worth, it's one of those few books that like when, even when the creator writes, that's a side to the book you're reading. To me, this is kind of an important one where a lot of times they're just throwaway down the line because I think this is the first time that they hint that maybe the door won't be open anymore. And maybe, you know, uh, death is maybe going to be permanent for gamma people from here on out. And I like that. And I recommend if you're reading Immortal Hulk to pick it up. And I'll say this. Maybe Hulk's dad's lying to them so that he has control over them. Right. So he makes them scared in the real world. Yeah. Like maybe we won't put, we won't risk anything because maybe we won't come back this time. I get what you're saying. Yep. So I thought this was a really good issue. Uh, I kind of went in like it's a little apprehensive, but I really liked this. I thought it was really good. Yep. So, uh, you wanted to talk about Flash 762, which was the final issue of the 101 plus issue, you know, annuals and all sorts of side projects and so forth of Joshua Williamson's run on the Flash. Yes. Um, basically, and it's more of talking about 
the whole series, not so much the final issue, though I do think he stuck the landing that sneakily, this is one of my fav- favorite runs of Flash over the 103 or four issues. Like you said, there was a rebirth and three annuals and blah, blah, blah. And they slowly brought back, like it, it stumbled in the beginning, but the, the whole point of the story was that he, he wasn't as hopeful and stuff like that. And to get to this issue, we have fully 100% hopeful Barry back. And along the way, it was... Uh, the the rogues and I know I do the joke about the rogues but like he had the the classic rogues in there and then even tried to bring new ones his uh, I believe his was blood work maybe was one of them uh but it was just so good but it was sneakily good and there was no really hey get on this at this point because it's really good it, it was good to me and then just no great jumping on point. And I wish like over the years that I had four years of this run that I had, I had pushed the book a little more, but it is with a big margin between one and two to three, my third favorite run of flash ever. And that's kind of why why I wanted to talk about it afterwards. It hit all the beats that you needed for a flash book. And in the end it became, you find out an overarching story that everything that happened in this, in the, in this 100 issue run was Zoom behind it. And the way Flash deals with Zoom this time, the reverse Flash, is completely different from any time he's done it before. And what it does and the new take and everything is is really good. And along the way, they brought back Max Mercury, Impulse, uh, Jesse Quick, uh, Jay Garrick, and then added new Flash-like characters. And I'm like, it all works for me. It all works for me, and I kind of wish I pushed it. But if you're a Flash fan, I highly recommend it. You may not like it completely in the beginning, but by the time you get to the end, especially the Legion of Zoom storyline, fantastic. So you you brought up a point, of course, about it stumbling early on. And I definitely think it did stumble early on because I was with this for a while. So where it kind of fell off, in my opinion, was not the first, but the second Batman crossover. Yes. It felt more counterintuitive. It felt as though just kind of holding off on whatever Josh Williamson was trying to do in the book because it felt like they were just trying to cross Flash over with Batman because they did it once before and it worked. So let's do it again. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but also we have to remember this is the dark times of Doomsday Clock. Sure. Where a lot of these books, and I and I remember, I think I might have even discussed it here, that that was kind of the problem because they had all these plans for these books, and they all had to like come to like the the climax at the end of the year of Doomsday Clock, and it screwed up everybody's story. And I do believe it hurt a lot of the books. And I think in the end, that was supposed to be once again a Tom King Joshua Williams crossover. And in the end, those are the Batman issues that Joshua Williams wrote. And I'm not saying, you know, he's a bad writer, but I just think uh, that it was forced upon him at a time it was supposed to be something else. And then he just had to make up something really quick because Tom King had stepped out. I mean, I have no basis for this theory, but that's the one that I'm going with. Right. So uh, the new creative team that's coming on is, you know, people who have done little in comics the guy the the writer is a showrunner on something some tv show right kevin shinnick 
Right. So we don't know if this is going to be like the new permanent creative team, because I remember a year and a half ago when James Tinian, the fourth was supposed to be like oh, six issues and we'll get it to 100 and then we're going to move Bendis over to Batman and then all of our dreams will come true. Right. And then that's, none of that stuff happened. That's right. That money we spent didn't, didn't you know, cultivate into numbers. But uh, yeah, that, that's what I, I think, like we were saying with that. Sorry. So what are your thoughts? Obviously, you get Flash all the time. Are we looking forward to this guy? Obviously, we won't see an issue from this guy um, until next month. But you said that it's going back to the biweekly schedule with this new guy coming on? It's staying to the biweekly schedule. Okay. This right. Flash okay. was biweekly. What's my take on it is I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Now, I don't know. As of right now, he's uh, in the pipeline for three issues. So we guess any writer you get is going to be six, you know, to do that trade, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see if he goes after that. But, but I'm excited because this, the Flash book with new writers, regardless of who they are, where they came from, this is Flash is where I found out about Jeff Johns and I found out about Mark Wade. So that, like I said, that is the big, you know, hurdle you have to make, but they've put some great writers on this book. So I'm, I'm always hopeful whenever there's a new creative team on, on flash, always, always hopeful. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to see where it goes. I know the next story is the, the secret origin of the Barry's, you know, flash ring. And I'm like, I dig rings. I dig the flash. I want to read this story. So I'm looking forward to it. So, um, and again, I'm surprised to hear you say, you know, that you rank this, uh, run that high, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I say, I want to say this with full, like, you know, disclosure, there is a, there is a big gap between two and three. Like, I don't want anybody going in going, this is Jeff, Jeff John's good. This is, you know, Mark Wade. Good. You know, you know what I want to say? I want to equate this to Chuck Dixon. Good. Okay. You know, like, and that's not an insult, but also in my defense too, I had such a low bar for like that new 52 run was unreadable for a guy who's read flash back to the eighties unreadable. So it was a night, a nice, you know, breath of fresh air for me to read at the beginning, decent flash stories that turned into really good flash stories and brought back characters I wanted to see, which I think was the problem with the flash book for the longest time. They're like, we need all new, forget all the old, or if we have all the old, it's captain Cole. He doesn't have his gun guns, uh, his freeze guns anymore. He has, uh, he's in a parka with no sleeves and ice arms. I'm like, no, no, like stop. You know, the formula just use it. So, right. That's some other person. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sad that you're, uh, book is done but the flash will never ever like go away that's right that race hasn't been run yet joe mm-hmm. it's not over it's not over until we say it is that's right was it over when the germans bombed pearl harbor joe <laughs> well i'll tell you when it's over for this week when we start talking about what's coming out or when it's over for last week when we start talking about what's coming out this week right If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you wait for the trades, 
whether you wait the six months for them to appear on your favorite digital service. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I corrected the numbers. Todd is ahead by one correct guess. Because I evened it up last week. That's sometimes, all I need. Sometimes I don't update everything in like the four different spots I keep it. And then I grab from the one. Right. So uh, again, we both put in there the books that we're getting this week. Um, that are shipping this week, of course. Uh, and you go first. So, uh, boy, howdy. I'm looking over your pull list, and is the book you're looking forward to most uh, Department of Truth number one? It is Department of Truth number one. Yes, you are correct. Mm-hmm. And I'll take a shot and say that the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is also Department of Truth number one. It is uh, Department of Truth number one. Yes. Uh, new creator on book over at Image uh, from the aforementioned James Tenney and the Fourth. Written by Martin or art by Martin Simmons. I don't know who that is, uh, but it's conspiracy stuff. There's like images of JFK with his eyes X'd out on the cover based on the strength of his Batman stuff. I'll check out the James Tinian stuff. I don't really need to know much more information about it right now. Right. I think it's all Pepe Silva as far as I'm concerned, but oh, we'll my see. Goodness. We uh, struck uh well with uh stillwater from uh chip zadarsky a couple weeks ago let's see if image given these folks from marvel and dc some creator owned stuff can kind of keep that ball that momentum rolling right i'm surprised you didn't go for uh, immortal hulk threshing place there but no that's i actually was that was uh, uh on my list of what you were looking forward to but then i realized that it's not al ewing it's jeff lemire right so, so which i think took the shine off that you know what i mean yeah not a knock on jeff lemire but uh if it's immortal hulk not written by al ewing it doesn't get the official definitive poll right so while you're over at longboxheroes.com be sure to check out all the other stuff that todd and i have done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. As of uh, this recording, I have not heard back from the Rob. Oh, okay. When you listen to After Dark, you'll get that, maybe. Right. Uh, you can also check out the 2017 Smash Sensation. Todd and Joe have issues. We've teased the last couple weeks. Getting itchy to do something again like that, but we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also check out our store, the link there, uh, whether it be shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. You could even get more things inspired by this show after dark at odds with wrestling final wrestling place over at our T public store. The sales are done for September, but I'm sure new sales will be rolling out in October. You could also sign up for our Patreon as little as a dollar a month, get you two extra shows from us a month. One babbling Brooks, the other previewing the past. The first talking about the films of Mel Brooks. The second going through the previous catalog 30 years ago that month. And uh, you also get After Dark early and those shows early if you go to the $5 or higher level over on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. Another way that you can help us out, of course, if you don't want extra shows, if you don't need shirts or pins or stickers... But anything else in the world you could purchase through Amazon. And luckily, 
thanks to us, we let you know that Amazon exists with the banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yay. Uh, Before I get into the notable purchases from this past week, I would be remiss not to mention that on the 13th and 14th of October, which is two weeks uh, as you're listening to this, uh, and we'll remind you again, next week is Prime Day. Um, They've gotten better with Prime Day over the last couple of years. I remember three, four years ago where, like, a majority of the Prime Day was like, oh, here's a whole bunch of memory cards for PS2s that we have laying around. (laughs) Have fun. Uh, Hopefully this year's Prime Days will be a little bit more fruitful to you, the listeners of the show, and then in turn fruitful to us when you make your purchases through our click through the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Right. Notable purchases. Someone purchased a Con Air... 1875 watt hair dryer. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of dry hair. Right. Now, is that a hair dryer they used on the plane for prisoners that Nick Cage was in, the Con Air hair dryer? No. I'm surprised they didn't do a tie-in with the movie and the company when that movie came out. Oh, he had long flowing locks in that. So, can you imagine Nick Cage like, "When I dry my hair." And that's what he, exactly what he sounds like in Con Air. I was going to say, don't tell us who that is, Todd, because we all know it's very clearly Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Somebody also purchased the next in the uh, Kindle Books Star Wars Thrawn Ascendry Book One Chaos Rising Star Wars The Ascending The Ascendancy Trilogy One. Ooh, (laughs) clear as mud. Right, but it is a Thrawn book, so yes. it makes me want to read it. I love Grand Admiral Thrawn, so good taste, whoever's got who's getting that. Somebody also got themselves a uh, large, round gaming mouse pad, non-slip, premium-textured mouse mat, can be cleaned, important in the description there, uh, of the Baby Yoda. Oh, that's nice. And then I'm going to guess this was the same person who purchased a three count of a pop secret microwave popcorn, star kiss chunk tuna, and two types of Idahoan mashed potatoes, regular and roasted garlic style. Mm. Now... I just want to say I'm I'm a big fan of uh, I know you hate instant mashed potatoes I do. I love instant mashed potatoes and those I, but I'm not the garlic guy but I just want to say on the pop secret microwave popping corn you missed out the kettle corn's the best of the pop secrets I buy that in Walmart in the 18 bag giant boxes and when I found out that they had them most recently in Walmart I went in and bought three of the 18 bag ones so I wouldn't <laughs> run out during the pandemic. I have that standing offer to you. Next time uh, we go to Knoebels, I'm going to get you uh, fresh kettle corn right off the deal, you know? I, I do want that. I think that would be a nice way, you know, of repaying me for all the times I drove by your house and threw your books on the porch like a paper boy. Yes. <laughs> you didn't throw any pizza as you drove by. No, I'm too busy shoveling that into my face. 
Pizza's a good driving food, right? It is. I don't know how many times I've just been wristing it, and that's when you have your wrist over the, the top of the steering wheel, not even with the grip, and I just have a big old slice of pie in my hand just shoveling it right in. Wristing it. If only you were texting and catching Pokemon at the same time, then you'd complete the trifecta of danger driving. I only go after pokey things when I'm driving my bike with all the handlebars and phones like the, that old Japanese guy. That's the only way I do it. <laughs> hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Um, from Rebecca's art, uh, there was a stray dog that they drew that I do believe is a character from Usagi Yojimbo, as we had the Usagi Yojimbo uh, picnic. Uh, I, that's what I'm calling picture last week. And looks really sweet, but I, I'm thinking it's from Usagi Yojimbo. Do you know, Joe? I don't know, unfortunately. Um, I should have did my research and due diligence here. I did not. Uh, I will say this. At the same time, I like the detail work on the kimono, mm -hmm. and I love the heavy, uh, I would assume, marker lines that they did around the clouds. That's right. Those clouds make me want to eat marshmallow, Joe. That's how good they are. <laughs> Not kettle corn, because they do look more popcorny than marshmallowy. And just so I say, kettle corn with a touch of garlic salt so good and that's what i'm having after we were done recording the show and i watch my sports shows but yes that is a great piece you're not going to eat popcorn into the microphone while we're recording todd what sort of podcaster are you i'm saving that for uh cashews the cadillac of uh nuts and oh i just and i want to just touch base uh how you said uh instant mashed potatoes not a fan mm -hmm. you are not a fan i of the garlic kind mm-hmm my my dad makes the instant mashed potatoes, and he makes the garlic kind, and my kid loves them. And if he knew they were the garlic kind, he would stop eating them, even though he loves them. Because he hates garlic. Yes, in, in his, his mind, mind he hates garlic. But he'll make like the full like the full box of it and fill a pot with it, and my kid will eat the whole the whole pot. Right, like he his brain doesn't like garlic, but his tongue, if you don't tell him, likes yes, garlic. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I've been there. I've been there. And the one time, like, my dad was about to tell us it, and both me and my wife were like, no, 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 don't say anything. Waving him off. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Any other art attacks there, Todd? I had one. Um, it just arrived this week, all the way from Spain. A Jordi Brunet, jo Jonah Hex piece. He drew over a dozen issues of the Palmiati Gray Run in 2006, which was the most art artist of any, so he was on my list of... Uh, getting pieces from and i was like okay i'm trying to do this whole uh art hexhibition that i got going on and i wanted to get all the people who've done like something from every run or they're like iconic people from those runs and i was like oh i haven't gotten jordy brunet yet and i looked him up like on thing and he's like 72 and in spain i'm like i might want to jump on that and i did and uh He's weird. He has like a sliding scale. It's like, okay, what are your commission prices? And he's like, well, and I went through his rep, so I never really talked to him. But it basically was like, all right, this is your this is your numbers. It's like from X amount of Brazilian or uh, Spanish dollars to X amount. And then whatever that is, he just whatever you pick, he just draws. And then we have a bigger size that's more. And I was like, okay, with shipping 
and uh, what do you call it when you when you're doing the the, the money transaction from American to to Spain? I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just take that amount. And I was worried what I was going to get, but like the little train station in the background, and my favorite part is like the the crappy little hill that just has tombstones on it because this little village probably doesn't have good land to bury people. I don't know. I just like it all around. Big Jonah Hex fan. Don't know if you know it. Glad I picked it up. So how is your uh, your art hexhibition coming along? Do you actually have like your stuff framed and all the Jonah Hex stuff together? Or is that like the work in progress now? Um, I don't have any of it framed. That's on the horizon. I have them in portfolios together for the most part. But when there's a smaller piece, I don't put it in the big portfolio. Like... You know what I'm trying to say? I might have some smaller pieces in an 11 by 17. So all the 11 by 17 Jonas go in there. If I have a smaller one, then the 9 by 12s go in that one. But in the end, I want to get them framed. But I have like three more pieces. or f- I have a list of what I need. When I get all of them, that's where all my money's going to first. Then once I get all of them, they will be framed. But I want to get on it because art prices are rising and commission prices are rising. So uh, there, and that's going fast up faster than the price of framing. So I'm picking my spots. Well, I hope one day you get to do like a, uh, a tour of it once it's like all ready to go. Uh, yes. Like my art exhibition in the hall of hex will happen. Some like start charging it or i'm sorry you can't charge admission you have to have a suggested donation my apologies that's the uh opportunity when it comes <laughs> yes. to most art houses yes that's what i'll do uh-huh. um, yes i'm gonna put a list together and we'll see what i have left because i know you're totally curious i actually am I, I i know jonah hex is uh you know i would say your favorite non-doctor doom character he's up th- you know what all joking aside, like Flash was there for the longest time. Yeah. But if you go back to everything that they did in the 70s in the Bronze Age, and then Jimmy Palmiotti and, and, and Justin Gray did the 2006 book, and then the All-Star Western that they did with Moritat and stuff like that, none of that stuff contradicts each other. So, like, he is, like, one of those long, even in Crisis and stuff like that, his origin got tweaked a little bit to make it a little more, you know, PC because there was some stuff going on with it but he hasn't changed so it's like 200 and some issues of comics that I could read all together and they and they still flow so there's something about that that I like but uh we'll see I he's he's way way up there for me right and you know we talked a little bit earlier in the show but here we are now in that uh it seems as though this year with all of your art purchases a lot of them have been Jonah Hex Jonah Hex related stuff yes because I actually, when I was talking with the art collector, I was sitting down. I was like, you know what? I have a plan of what I want to do. And I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and say I wanted to get it all because, you know, I don't know where people will be in the future of wanting to draw Jonah Hex, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And then just two things that are related to this. I do love, uh, like, obviously this time you tagged them. I don't know if you did last time. But I do love that Jimmy Palmiotti loves your art so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of what kind of guy Jimmy Palmiotti is. And I did just see a random tweet of his the other day where he says the only thing that hasn't gone down in value is original art. Pretty much, pretty much. 
and I I did tag him in this one because right. of the fact his favorite artist of all time on Jonah Hex is Jordy Renee. Now uh-huh. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna be full disclosure. He's not my favorite artist on uh, Jonah Hex. I've even said like I'm not a huge fan. But I went and got it because you know I respect. But as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, I'm I'm putting uh, Jimmy and Jimmy was like, I, I love this. But otherwise, when I show it, he acknowledges even if i don't you know he he loves jonah hexart yep so jimmy palmiotti's good people man always one of the you know top five nicest creators i've ever met if he had a podcast i wouldn't write a uh blow by blow uh account of the things that he said on that podcast i'd probably just listen to it and enjoy I would, but I would be extolling his virtues in a blow by blow you know discussion uh, unrelated, you know, go check out uh, Rob's recaps <laughs> over on longboxheroes.com. Right. Usually comes out every Tuesday and Thursday right alongside a uh, podcast with a similar name. Right. Uh, I didn't say this, but somebody else said that I listen to the show so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody and... else over the weekend was like, hey, you should go back and do the back catalog. And I'm just like, oh, boy. And you will at some point. You will. The day but, will come where I will. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think the Rob would still be doing the podcast this long. So you were fooled. I don't want to say that I, I was fooled. Because, like, remember early on in the podcast, like, there was no rhyme or reason. Like, one week there'd be three episodes. And then another week there'd be, like, one episode. And they'd never come out on the same day. But, like, once he got into his schedule of every Tuesday and Friday, uh, I think it ends up being a little bit easier for the Rob. Mm-hmm. And I wish people could hear our discussions off mic, but it's never going to happen. Where all jo- I said Pepe Silva before, you're you're really like Charlie on It's Always Sunny. Like, well, this is the timeline, and he mentions this guy, but he won't mention his name. So if you go back to here, and it's in the ballpark because sometimes he gets his dates wrong. But and you're like, oh well, what guy is? And I'm like laughing. I love it. I love it listening to you doing the deep dive, the personal deep dive that I get. You get the bonus show of the yeah. articles. That's right. I'm paying for the Patreon version of Rob's recaps. You're paying with your time. That's right. Every minute I try to figure out who Rob is talking about here and like, are his dates right? And like, did he really get $900,000 on royalties from X-Force number one? That's just like one less second that Todd gets to eat his kettle cord. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so I think that's the end of the main show. We're going to get into some discussion here of the most recent episode of The Boys. Uh, just one last thing, please. Oh, yes. Do you know who's leading the, the league in pigskin pickums this week, Joe? Oh, no, wait, don't tell me. Mm-hmm, Let me go mm-hmm. pull it up and look. Don't forget to do your picks as you're listening to this. I somehow am on a list this year where I get an email reminder, and I don't like that. Oh, yeah, you... You have to change that to no before you go on when you're making your uh, entry at the beginning. Oh, well, I see my friend Words Big 80s is in second place. Right. I just, in the top two spots are the hosts of this show, Joe. (laughs) So when you go and you look at your own account and my name was at the top, I'm like, oh, am I in first? I'm like, oh, no, I'm 28th. Right. That's yours. But then you go down and it has the, the ranking. So I managed to pull ahead by one. So if I can hold out against you, I'm doing pretty good, Joe. Against me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't mention it the last couple of weeks. But when I'm when I'm in first place, 
Oh, it's getting mentioned. <laughs> I don't care what else. I'll stop. Well, we don't need to talk about the boys. Did you see how well I did this week? Like, let's slow this show down, Joe. So would you rather win the pigskin pickems at the risk of your Raiders losing every game for the rest of the season, or they win every game for the rest of the season and you do worse than me in the pigskin pickems? Now, does that include the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders winning the Super Bowl? You said every game. Uh, yeah, yeah. They win the Super Bowl too. Why not? I come in last and my all my fingers get broke so I can't make picks next year. <laughs> that's, how, that's how much I want the Raiders to, to win the Super Bowl. I just hope ACDC plays them to the uh, to, out, out of the field. Back in black. Oh, oh. and th- this is this is the buffer in between us getting into talking about the boys, right? Mm-hmm. So currently, there's some ACDC song that's the opening theme for Friday Night Smackdown. Are you ready? I know it makes me vomit in my mouth every time I see the commercial. What if, because there's synergy there with Fox and the NFL and the WWE and the ACDC, that like ACDC does some sort of live concert or something on Friday Night Smackdown? That's the week I co-host at odds. <laughs> Right. And just don't don't forget ACDC. Oh, I don't think they played the the pay-per-view. I know one of their was Smash Grab and Take It was at one of the the pay-per-views on uh, Black Ice. Well, uh, that I don't know. Uh, But famously, the theme for SummerSlam 1999 was Highway to Hell. I remember that because I'll never forget Stone Cold Steve Austin walking over a taxi. Right. And it was like they did like this whole production video. It was him and The Undertaker. It was they was SummerSlam Highway to Hell. They played the song like six times a week on TV and then like 900 times during the pay-per-view. Um, you know, and I think ACD like, you know, Vince is a big ACDC guy. So he was willing to shill up the bucks for that. And I don't know. I haven't watched that SummerSlam on the no longer award winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. So I don't know if they have those rights in perpetuity to continue to play that song during like those pay-per-view like rebroadcasts on the on the network. I'm guessing not because that's a lot of the trouble with streaming that it wasn't covered in the contracts back in the day. So now they use them. Now it was be able to be used in the DVDs and VHS tapes. And that was known about in the contracts. Now they're like, Oh, that's iconic for your SummerSlam. Pay, pay me, pay right, me now, more. Right now that I'm not sure if it would be a different deal, but like, I know, and this is more after dark talk, but we're into it. It's no big deal. <laughs> you get a taste of after dark here. Right. Right. So famously for the 2005 WWE CW one night stand, they paid for one use of Inner Sandman. Is this the one that I watched that I created the term? Of yes. Pers- okay. So when, back in the day, on pay- when pay-per-view was a thing, like, you would have the pay-per-view on at, like, 7 or 8 o'clock, whatever time the pay-per-view would come on, and then immediately afterwards, there'd be the replay, right? Just, like, mm-hmm. West Coast feed, whatever. They didn't have the rights to do Inner Sandman on the replay. They only right. had it for a one-time live showing. Okay. Right. Now, in more recent years, um, when they do these shows, and I would say it was probably like before Black Ice, 
It was probably into like two, since like 2004, let's say, and I'm just choosing a random year here, that they would make those deals if like X song is going to be the theme of X pay-per-view, we're going to make this deal with you that not only is this the pay-per-view, but when we do a DVD release of this pay-per-view or we do some sort of other release of this pay-per-view, that song's going to be on there. Now, obviously, early on in those days, it was kind of like lower end bands. And then as it got a little bit bigger, it's like, okay, we'll make a deal with Limp Bizkit that like you guys could play at WrestleMania if we could use Rollin' as the Undertaker's theme song, right? Mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit are wrestling fans, so like, whatever, we'll we'll sign off on it. They wanted to use um, one of the bigger Metallica hits, I forget which one, for WrestleMania this year uh, for the Undertaker uh, Blue Mittens Bone Dog match. But it was a deal that they worked out. We're like, okay, if you're going to use that song, and again, I can't remember what it is, we're only going to let you use it the one time. And they're like, well, we'd rather use it all the time, like have it on the network forever. They're like, no, unless you pay us X. And they're like, okay, let's figure out something new. Right. Let's do something from the new album. We'll promote the new album. And we could use it all the time? Yes. So... Metallica is still in good graces with the World Wrestling Entertainment. It was just like that's that like I I always get such a kick out of that Inner Sandman one where they got like you get it one time. And I remember the Inner Sandman one. Didn't they have like an ACDC song and Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah. And did they get to use those twice? No. Okay, so it was all the songs on the show that were that they had to pay for. Yes. Okay. You want to talk about the boys? Yeah, let's talk about the boys. All right. Uh, so this time, the main plot would be uh, Kamiko, Frenchie, and Mother's Milk going to the Sage Grove Center for the emotionally disturbed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's who Stormfront was communicating with of whatever was going on there. Uh, that's our A story, more or less. Our B story is while waiting outside the Sage Grove Center for the Emotionally Disturbed. One of the emotionally disturbed uses his emotionally disturbed powers, flips over the van. Um, uh, 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 Billy's fine, Starlight's fine, but Huey's inside and he gets all messed up. So now this is the thing that brings Billy and Starlight together. And then, of course, I would say almost our C story is all the stuff that's going on with the boys themselves. Uh, I was very happy that we got a Frenchie-focused episode because we've talked in the last several weeks. It's like, oh, Frenchie had nothing to do this episode. Not really much going on with Frenchie this episode. This was like a Frenchie tour de force. It was, and it made me actually care about Frenchie. Absolutely. Where everything was like, oh, he's he's Frenchie and he's, you know, just running around. He's kind of in love with Kamiko and he's trying to save her. She don't want to be saved. And it's all like cliche stuff kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Like that I've seen a thousand times before. But then we get Frenchie's backstory where it's like, oh, he was supposed to watch Lamplighter who killed the head of the, the CIA or whoever it is that that's helping him. The woman it burned his burned her kids and we get that story now. And in the end, Frenchie goes off to save his uh, ODing friend now, you know, and not watching Lamplighter. And that's when it happens. And he's been holding all that. And his whole thing of trying to save Kamiko is trying to make up for what happened a little. And it, it all, and he, even in the end, he's like, 
it was all, I, I was wrong to do all this. And it's character development. You know what I mean? He's still a dirtbag because as far as I'm concerned, like, yeah, your friend, your friend, you're supposed to be protecting your friend's family. And this guy's choosing to do drugs or whatever, but it's, it's layered or whatever. But I, in the end, I was like, all right, I have a completely, I feel completely different about Frenchie after this. Right. And like I said, this was the most, I don't want to say the most to humanize him, but as you mentioned, it was the most that they've done to make us care about Frenchie to this point. Cause it felt as though like he always got the short shrift of the, the main cast. Right. And I do like the fact and don't like the fact because I do hate hypocrisy, which is, you know, the king of all the, the Vought heroes and everything. But when he's every time he's with Kamiko and he's like, you can't, there's Sto- uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Storm Stormfront. There's Stormfront. You can't do it. We, this is not the time. This is not the time when Frenchie legit gets Lamplighter's attention on the gurney just so he can jump off and like kind of use it as a, well, he saw who I was kind of a deal. You know what I mean? It's like every time he tells you, you can't do this, you can't get revenge right now. Boy, did he change his tune when he saw Lamplight. So it just makes him a more interesting character. Right. Now, why do I not remember Lamplighter from last season? Because he wasn't in it. He was just mentioned as, like, okay. I believe, the Lamplighter incident or whatever. Yeah, because I was going to say, because the way that they acted in this season, they made it feel as though there was more than just the mention of him from the previous season. Now, I want to even say it might not have even been last season they mentioned. It might have all been this season. Gotcha. You know what I mean? But I yeah. I can't say, for, but I know it was just a couple of times this, this season, maybe last time. But um, interesting take. I like the fact that he's... Uh, He's Iceman from the X-Men movies, but he's using Pyro's gimmick. Yeah. Where he has to use the lighter because he can't create fire. He can control it. It was cute. So, you know, a majority of things happened there at the, and again, I I, I keep saying the, uh, the Sage Grove Center for the Emotionally Disturbed. Uh, but due to the incident that you mentioned regarding Lamplighter, one of the doors do not get shut all the time. And... Who is the girl that cut Cindy? Right. Seems to be the most powerful of them all. Uh, as she is just able to like pop Crush people's things. head and rend metal doors. And she essentially sets a ton of people free. Mm-hmm. And then it all hits the fan. We got to get somewhere safe. Um, and there are tons of soups there. And that's where Stormfront went off to when she told um homelander that she had to go back to vault towers to meet with her social media people and uh you know she wasn't there and homelander found out and he reacted in kind right we'll get to that in a minute but uh uh, so we find out at the sage grove uh home for the emotionally disturbed is they are testing compound v on you know adults teenagers humans in the hopes that they could find someone's that doesn't make them like crazy or a freak or a monster or kill them. Right. Or explode and stuff like that. Yes. So basically they explain in the, in the thing that it works best with babies and the, as the older you get, the more unstable and and stuff it happens. They're looking to refine compound V. So it'll work all the time on any age. And I just thought that that was an interesting take so they can create an army um, so that's like, you know, a big, big part of the story right now. 
Netflix. Right, which makes the spinoff show uh, that they announced being like the college age, high school age soups very interesting. Right, right. And then I like in all of this, too, we have stuff going on with the other Vought heroes in that uh, both uh, the Deep is trying to convert A-Train to their Scientology thing. And then while this is going on, Mav's plan to get out of under the thumb of Homelander, who, by the way, uh, Mav... When they end up making, or I keep I keep saying Mav when her name is Maeve, and the way I'm always going to remember this is when they bring out the pride bar for her, Brave Maeve, and I was like, this is so terrible, so terrible, and she hates it too because in the end, like she doesn't want to be brave, she just wants to be like everybody else, you know what I mean? I was just like that whole scene with Brave Maeve. I was like, oh my God. Just so, but her plan is she had the deep go off and look where the plane went down that they meant to save, but they didn't. And then ended up using that to bring support to bring superheroes into the army or the, or whatever. And she got the phone of the guy who recorded everything, which does not go over well once Maeve's girlfriend sees what Maeve did. And I'm like, another just like atomic bomb just dropped in the room. You know what I mean? Right, so that was very interesting. Uh, the A-Train stuff, of course. Um, still, we get a passing mention of something about Black Noir in this one. Right, I believe so. But I so. think we got enough Black Noir last time. Right. Yeah. And I still want to know what's up with the frescas, Joe. Yeah, and again, my my wife postulates that that's maybe where the some sort of mind control thing is in there. Yep, like, I heard, I read, like, a story that, uh, like, Kripke says that this just seems like the drink that people would, who who swallow this kind of stuff, just seems like the most likely thing, but I think it's more than that. I think there's I, something in the frescas. Yep. Um, the stuff with Starlander and, Bi- or, or, yeah, uh, Starlight and Billy were was great. I love that they have this contentious relationship, but they both love Huey, and that's what brings them together. Yep, and I do love the fact that, like, while Butcher's covering them as they go rip open the fence so that uh, they can sneak in and get the information, that he has the crosshairs on Star- on uh, Starlight's head. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's kind of like, oh, you know, like, he doesn't. And then they, they go, and I, she doesn't even like it, too. She's like, oh, don't give me that, like, silent, uh, you know, accepting look because now I've killed somebody. Like, I don't want any of that. But over the bed of... Like you said, Huey, it all comes together, but will it stay, Joe? Will the truth stay, do you think? Yes, I definitely think so. I think we're done with any sort of contentious nature between them, especially since we only have two episodes left uh, for the season, and we've got much bigger fish to fry, of course, because now it's time for Homelander (laughs) talk. It's time for Stormfront talk and revelations and a little smattering of Homelander cape talk as well. Right. I'll try to keep uh, this epi- this uh, segment of cape fancy to a minimum, Joe. Uh, so now that you've pointed it out to me, I can never unsee what he does with the cape as he moves and he walks and everything else. That's my whole agenda. I, it yeah. literally is to make everybody realize that the cape is a character. Yeah. The cape is a character in The Boys. So I mentioned earlier Stormfront actually, you know, is in league with the people that are running 
the home where they're testing the compound V on adults. Um, she said, she said Stormfront said she was going to be back in 20 minutes and Homelander had that beautiful bouquet of flowers for her and, <laughs> and 20 minutes went by and maybe more time went by. And then all we get is that of this the shot of him holding the card with the flowers, and then we cut to the smoldering wreckage of his trailer, which seems about the the realistic uh, reaction that you should have, Joe, to something like that. Say, did he say it was a gas leak? Is that what it he was, said? It was. It was an electrical uh, short. An electrical short. Sure, sure, sure. And I do love the fact with those flowers, Joe, that like he was moving like as like crazy as Homelander is and as nuts and this and that, like him moving the card strategically to make it look better and like pivoting the, the vase and everything like that. I was like, Oh my God, that's like, I I'm never going to be like the Homelander except in this moment in the most awkward, like, like, you know, like courting, uh, thing in the world but i was just dying of him like mm, if i put the card here this and that and it goes completely sideways when they're not making love in an alley i was gonna say they were doing their relationship was so strong at the beginning of the episode and then it was weak in the middle and it was like a three-act structure as we get to the end where stormfront is allowed to explain everything that she's over a hundred years old uh that she is from nazi germany and she married whatever Vought, the guy who created Compound V. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the and picture of her with her grandmother that we saw was actually a picture of her with her daughter. Right, and which makes it interesting. And then on top of that, it looks like the Compound V that they're trying to per, per, uh, perfect is for their army, you know, because, like, she's saying we need an army of us. And it's like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. But like you said, Joe, their love was so strong at the beginning of the episode. They were he was able to crush a head. Oh boy. And the, you, you mentioned about the ar- their army, her mm-hmm. army, how he's the perfect picture for their army. Wow. Oh, a lot of a lot of allegories here, Todd. A lot of a lot of bad things I feel coming in these next two uh episodes. Now I need our April report. How did she take this episode? Well, uh, she really didn't like that opening scene of uh, Homelander and Stormfront of the Alley. Really didn't like that. Oh, but you mean when uh, Homelander accidentally smudged Stormfront's makeup? Oh, wait, was that blood on her cheek? I'm sorry. Oh, that was uh, rough. She, she liked, you know, you know, she was on board. She liked all the Frenchie stuff. She liked the characterization. Uh, I know. Not too many freakouts after that opening scene. Good, because I like to see, you know, I like to know how April's reacting to Homelander because, man, I can't wait. Nobody tell her when she gets that cuddle buddy from me when they make it. That's... Well, I haven't shown her the commercials yet. You said those commercials are out there yet, right? Well, they were on Facebook as a fake ad for the upcoming season of Boys, the second season of Boys. Right, but that means they've got to be out there somewhere, you know? Well, they haven't been put out, but that was the thing that Butcher's dog was humping in in, la- in the episode where he went to, you know, Black Noir came. So they sh- they've shown them in the show, but really, really quick. So I don't know if she knows they exist. But hopefully that will be some of the merchandise that comes out soon for Christmas. They got to have cuddle- the boys cuddle buddies. 
looking those up? No. No? I don't want those in my house. <sighs> okay. But, yeah. So, all around, interesting episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought this was probably the best episode this season, and they've been all been pretty good. I'm going to go with, I forget what episode I said was the best. It was like one or two ago. This is, uh, it was the one where Homelander was going to visit uh, Doppelganger. That's my favorite episode. Oh. <laughs> Not for that all around. Like that's, that's a great, truly great episode. Uh-huh. But this is up there. So. All right. So I think that's everything. We're yep, good. I'll be, yep. I'll be getting my kettle corn in a minute. All right, don't want to keep you from that, of course. Heaven mm-hmm. forbid. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, episode, so much Five. stuff on the website. 522 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.